Yo, is this seat taken? Uh, yeah, it is. is a seat taken where we talk about how to make the world a better place by being of service to people uh this week i wanted to invite my really good friend ella on she's been wanting to come on the show for like a year it was gonna (laughs) happen like last time i was in new orleans but if you've ever been to new orleans and you try to schedule things you know how that shit usually goes so yeah right thank you for joining me Um, Ella is a hospitality professional through and through. You've been in front of house with bartending. You've been in back of of house with the chefing. You've really done it all, and you're truly inspiring. And I just wanted to bring you on and give you your flowers and let you tell your story because you have a great one. I've um, actually never had a genuine opportunity to even talk about why I'm even in the industry in general. Um, A lot of the beginning of me, you know, taking on this sort of profession could and did come off to a lot of people like disingenuine um, because I didn't know what to say to make other people feel confident that I knew why I was in the industry. Um, and this is probably one That's of That's so weird. The... I hate that. <laughs> yeah, like... I hate that. Know? It's like, why do I have to prove that I'm here? <laughs> That's the thing. And, like, I even then, so, like, I didn't even know how to articulate why I even was doing it in the first place, you know? Um, it, yeah. And what's crazy, it wasn't even, like, just for money. I couldn't even say that. Um, I can say though early on that it was something that I've never done before and me personally I am a person that is open to um, new experiences and like uh, anything that I can learn from that could either challenge me and you know kind of I've always believed that I was always a a jack of all trades but master of none kind of person So, like, if I can, like, do this, I, 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 that's what actually drove me to continue to be in this industry um, without having to explain it to other people. Because, you know, honestly, even to this day, I'm still trying to work on my narrative on that. Right. So, I know that you used to be a dancer when you... And I don't know if you went from dancing into the industry or kind of did both of them at the same time, but did you start front of house or back of house? Um, so interestingly, and I'll, I'll say this because it's taken me a while to actually be comfortable to say these things, uh, say this. Um, I, when I was a dancer, I was actually also not only a collegiate hip hop dancer, but um, a go-go dancer. And I also was a stripper. Uh, So my experience in nightlife hospitality was on a different aspect. Yeah. You know, I didn't know. 
any of that, like what it took to even, uh, I had to deal with people in a different facet, uh, compared to what a bartender would have, you know what I'm saying? Um, and even I'll honestly say at that point, I didn't even have any aspiration to be a bartender. Um, but yeah, like uh, coming from being uh, a dancer has, (laughs) we're going to generalize that term right now. Um, coming from being a dancer has taught me to at least at that time, learn how to have a basis of being a decent person, um, and understanding what I'm getting myself into, you know, totally. Did you start with front of house or back of house, though? I started with front of house. Um, I started with front of house. I was doing bottle service. Uh, I started out at Hustlers in Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the girls with the That's fucking funny. candles. Can we curse on this? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I started at Hustlers Las Vegas, which is like a you know three-story glass floor to every level kind of establishment and the girls, the corsets and the flaming candles. Um, That right there, like, didn't really help me understand what it even was like to be... uh, In hospitality in the capacity that you're in hospitality now. Yeah. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) It's all different. Like, I feel like people, you know, have a very misconstrued idea of what hospitality is or what, like, even, like, the service industry is because I I really feel like there's so many different sectors of it, right? Like, you have, like, fast food and you have, like, cafes and then you have, like, Michelin and James Beard and then you have, like, nightclubs and you have sports bars and you... Like dive uh, bars, like yeah. Sex work, sex work is definitely included. You have flight attendants. You know what I mean? Like, there's right. so many like different things, and you know, I feel like, especially like where you are at now, and where I, you know, the the sector of the industry that I once was in, it's so, um, very. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for, focused on highlighting, like, you know, like, tail, like, people that go to tails and people that do cap program and then, like, the people that are winning James Beard's awards and Michelin stars and, like, all the other, like, bar awards and yada, yada, yada. And, like, I feel like people who are so sucked into that kind of forget about everything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm glad that you like have are, are saying like I've I've literally done so many different <laughs> so um, many other like facets right of it. now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I am, um, and what's crazy, you like you mentioned, uh, you know the I be, I think it's like even me living in New Orleans, um, and diving deep into this culture of hospitality is, is it's something that even in Las Vegas, there's a whole different uh, climate to what it is out there compared to New Orleans. Yeah. And you mentioned people like with tails, it, it, it's very like intimidating um, yeah. to where you don't even feel like you're as 
uh, involved as you uh, can be. And it's, uh, it's, it's so odd for me, even like being in the industry for almost eight years, which is nothing compared to so many other people that we know that like, I still feel like a freaking noob, you know, even living here. Um, But what I have been able to do um, in my time here is like learn where I fit in and uh, learning how to articulate why I am doing the certain things that I do in the hospitality industry. And it doesn't even have to be strictly granted. I don't strip anymore. I probably could, but I won't. I mean, I can't. <laughs> I probably could, but I won't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I, uh, but like I've had to learn how to find exactly how I can contribute to uh, the experience that comes with being a hospitable person in general, and I don't have to conform to the New Orleans style. But it has def- Chicago and here has helped me learn how I don't have to be the type niche guy with a fucking sorry. <laughs> I'm apologizing for, for cursing. Uh, I'm like a beard. Why do you apologize? <laughs> yeah, you don't have a sailor's <laughs> mouth. Um, but like you know, to fit fit in that like what they see here in New Orleans, you know, with a beard and. A white guy with tattoos. Like I, I, I've come to find how I can contribute to the culture um, and what I can, basically, what my contributions can be made to me being and doing what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. It's taken a while, but I'm still even working on it now. Right. Um, I want to talk about your 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 cooking. When you're chefing. I keep saying chef. You know what's crazy? My nickname in a lot of places here is Chef E. Chef E. Cute. I know it's super cute. I like that. It's I either that or Cruella uh, when I get angry. It's like the Gordon Ramsay version of me. That. Don't let people call you that. <laughs> I'll, come, I'll come down there with some hands like. This is my friend. Don't call her Cruella. It's like, wait right here. Wait. Got my friend coming down. Hold, please. Hold, please. Um, you used to have a pop-up, or you kind of... Do you still have the pop-up, or no? You kind of gave it. Um, I didn't give it up, and, you know, this is something that I've thought about most recently. Uh, given our current climate and our, you know, the nation, uh, national uh, climate, I... um did my best to continue to pursue and uh, continue what my intentions were with doing the pop-up in general. Um, mm-hmm. and it was called The Spotted Tongue, right? It was called The Spotted Tongue. And uh, <laughs> what was weird is, like, the, I started it with uh, somebody that was close to me. And... Um, you know, things, things happen where you, it's like kind of losing a best friend and you don't know necessarily how to continue on with an endeavor. Like when it's especially, um, a fruition or a baby of two other people, not just yourself. Um, I, what I did do with that, um, I still, 
I'm going to deter for just a, for a second. I still do um, have and do private parties. Uh, I've been leaning more towards like uh, tastings and prefix menus for people, like actually creating an experience uh, with pairing, like being able to make use of my talents in the cocktail world and then food. I've been doing that lately and those have been more intimate settings. But what I did do after uh, something that happened in my life um, that affected me very heavily, I um, I still took the spotted tongue and made it so during COVID that I'm going to use my resources to provide for people that didn't have food, uh, you know, during it. And I had the research, I had people that supported me even before COVID uh, to like give me the supplies to be able to continue my vision because they actually believed in me. And uh, there, there are a, a two I don't know if I had four fucking hands. There was a lot of people that actually still believed in me um, and helped me out with that and still uh, supported my just vision to, you know, provide for everyone. Whether it was culture to start off with, eventually it became, like, culture and, like, hey, this is, we are all here to support each other. Right. Yeah, I mean, but, um, I remember when you were doing all the food right, like right when COVID hit. I was like, "That's so great! I'm so glad to see you doing that." It was it was nice actually. Um, uh, I started. I was roommating with a really great friend of mine. His name is uh, Jeff Lewis. Uh, he is the manager for Achafalaya out here in New Orleans. Really handsome Creole dude. We stayed together, and we'd actually do um, every Saturday. We would have a um, just bring a Tupperware to the house, and we'll fill up the Tupperware for free. Uh, and we actually were doing that. And he, like he, he supported me in that too. Um, and he even supported me in my business, like when I started doing a pop up at a kitchen in Metairie when things started to come along. I remember. Um, that. Yeah, culinary for me has, like, uh, oddly enough, like I said, I never really want, I didn't, I can think back, I never wanted to be a chef, didn't even want to be a bartender, couldn't even imagine, you know, that at that time, but uh, food for me, and I've, I've been asked this question a lot, is, like, whether, what's, what do you, like, have more passion for and honestly like food uh, it's, or bartending food compared food. to bartending yeah, yeah food has been something for me that uh I I've actually taken a lot more consideration and care like my boyfriend currently he knows he actually knows that oh you're a good bartender but I know my woman loves to make food like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And um and and he's he's right and food for me has become like somebody that's been traveling all over the place doesn't see her mom or her family for a couple of years at a time. Mm-hmm. Food for me has been my connection. Uh yeah. so it it's become a lot more important to me actually than cocktails in this current climate especially. Right. I feel like 
One of my favorite quotes is, you can learn a lot about a person over a meal. And, like, yeah, like, drinks happen with a meal, but I, I feel like there's, like, a deeper thing that goes on when it comes to food. It just gives you more sustenance. I feel like that's, like, the most important part about it. Um, let's get into our first segment. Yeah, let's do it. Guilty pleasure drink. <laughs> Wait, does this not a tequila count? Because <laughs> okay, fine. No, it's like drink. a it's like a drink that probably has like a bad stigma. Oh God! All right, give me a second. Uh, for me, it's a uh, a Boulevardier. Boulevardiers have a bad stigma. For oh oh, are you talking about in general? What I think. Or for myself. No, like, what would be, like, what would be, like, your guilty pleasure drink? Like, like, if it has, it has a bad stigma, but you love, like, drinking it. A jungle bird. A jungle bird? Okay. Yes. Um, but the levels, uh, it's kind of, and why I say that is, like, most people, to artic, like, you know, most people don't even know that cocktail. You know what I'm saying? Do you remember the fucking dumb jungle birds in the aviary with those dumb fucking glasses and those dumb fucking straws? <laughs> Every fucking time we carry them on trays, you would have like a panic attack because you knew those bitches were about to topple over. <laughs> to be fair, I had a panic attack anytime I carried a tray at the aviary. Right. <laughs> that too. So you would just have the extra panic attack because it's like, if I break the shit, I'm going to get fired because that's the work culture there. Anyways, I went on a tangent. Uh, sorry. No, I, sorry. I would totally go there with you. Um, <laughs> but I um <laughs> That's crazy. my that is my where my mind goes when I hear the word jungle bird. I'm like Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like I didn't even know what a jungle bird was until I worked at the aviary. Same. And what's crazy is that <laughs> Yeah, I was a noob. I was a noob, bro. I was and like you, me, and Alonzo. We were all noobs. We were just like, what the fuck is happening? Um what is going? and then I was the first to leave and then you left and Alonzo stayed for like a whole year. It was I think. like a whole domino effect. Yeah. Um, but like what's crazy is like with the jungle bird having not knowing what it was. I um I I actually really did like it because I had to come across it again when I was doing speed rack and it oh, happened oh. the three times that I competed where like the jungle bird when we would do our uh sessions like to practice it became my favorite drink but like having to articulate that to somebody like what's your favorite drink if I go out for a cocktail it's a jungle bird like what the fuck is that you know I'm like, oh, yeah, it has this and that and that. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing to yourself? They, like, for example, uh, Charlie, my boyfriend, um, he is not uh, aware of the cocktail world at all. He is nowhere involved uh, or articulated in our industry. But, like, if I order a cocktail, it'd be a Negroni or a Jungle Bird. And I have to explain certain things to him why it gets me drunk and it's my crib tonight and he will never understand that um let's uh go back to what we were talking before and we were talking about your chefing and you you left off saying how you like barely ever see your family and cooking kind of like 
brings you back to your roots. Um, your family is Filipino and half black. Am that I is correct. Right? Yeah, from my memory. So uh, I just I, I just want to talk about like that. There's so much culture in your blood and so much good food from like both your mom's and your dad's side. And I feel like you have like all this knowledge of amazing recipes and stuff. And I just want to talk about that. Like where where do you get most of your inspiration from and all of that jazz? Um, cooking, uh, again, like I mentioned earlier, like cooking wasn't necessarily like a a thing that I really enjoyed doing. Um, but my inspiration, what I've come to realize is that it comes from wanting like a nostalgic kind of thing. Um, I've always been the kid that's been like 3000 miles away from both my parents, you know, and growing up in a military family, I can, I would only see one half of my family at a time. Um, but then being an adult cooking for me, um, uh, has been the nostalgic aspect contributes a lot it it helps me I feel keep in touch with like my black roots which um I in I incorporate in my cooking now along with Filipino food I can cook the f- fuck out of Filipino food right now because mm-hmm. uh, only I've I've did it through college I've did it being away from my mom but I've um learned over the years that I had to uh, acknowledge both sides of where I come from. Uh, and granted, what's crazy is, like, I don't even talk to my parents about cooking at all. You know what I'm saying? Really? They laugh at, yeah, they, they laugh at me and my two younger brothers. One, my younger brother cooks for, uh, he cooks for Momofuku. Uh, and uh, who trains, sorry, who trains... Sorry, I'm thinking of the French Laundry guy. Um, oh, uh, fucking to- uh, Keller. Yeah, so my brother cooks for What's Thomas Keller. What's his name, Thomas? Thomas yeah. Keller. My brother cooks for Thomas Keller. And then also cooks for Momofuku. And, like, we're all, you know, uh, my parents would have thought that we would have took our college degrees and done something else. But we actually <laughs> all, yeah, you know. You all cook. <laughs> yeah, we all actually cook, you know. Um, and a lot of the cooking is, like, to stay to our roots, like, because uh, our my mom used to cook for us all the time, and uh, my dad did as well. But, yeah, uh, cooking for me is, it's uh, more so to keep myself at bay, and, uh, and I enjoy it that much more, that, like, I can actually understand why I like the certain things that I do cook and why I can, you know, give it to somebody uh, or explain it. You know, it's always like a, a picture you want to show or explain what the memory comes from. Some of you may know that self-care is very important to me. You also probably know this about me, but sex positivity is the forefront in a lot of the things that I do. That being said, I would really like to introduce you to a brand that I care very deeply about, Unbound Babes. 
They started as a labor of love in tiny New York apartments and have grown to becoming a leader in improving how people explore and enjoy pleasure. Additionally, and almost importantly, they're a woman-ran and owned business. They have a team of about six people and they all are women identifying. That's what we want to see. We love women-owned businesses. Unbound Babes has a diverse catalog, which I think is really important because you want to diversify what you have in your self-care toolkit, yeah? From vibrators to nipple clamps to lubricant to condoms, you can really get it all in Unbound Babes. Use code LIFEOFLEG for 10% off your order. What's your like favorite thing to cook? Personally? Yeah. <laughs> Embarrassing, it's, it has nothing to do with Filipino food. I love red pastas. I love red sauces. Ooh. Um, yeah. I love pasta. A bolognese, like, with, like, roasted chicken liver, uh, heavy red sauce. And... Roasted chicken liver? Damn. Yeah. I... Damn. <laughs> roasted chicken liver, toss that in some pasta. It's my favorite, honestly. I'm hungry. No. <laughs> I'm hungry. Um, Filipino f- food-wise, um, granted, I can't cook my favorite meals the way that my mom can, but there are a few. And uh, one is like a tamarind serrano uh, stew base uh, soup that's served over rice, extra hot with uh, chili peppers. Or a soy sauce, it's called adobo, chicken adobo. Mm, yeah. Um, the reason being is because that is like an introductory to not only like my own culture but like why I actually like cooking it's a it's a conversational piece um and it's not only like oh it's good but why is why do you even have this food and like why do you even enjoy it you know it's a historical piece of food and everybody to my not that I haven't heard anybody that hasn't not liked chicken or pork adobo in the Philippines from a Filipino you know, so that that actually is my favorite uh, thing to cook for people because it makes me feel happy to extend my my love for my own culture as well. Yeah. Have you been to the Philippines? I was born there. Oh shit! <laughs> I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was born in um, I was born in Alangapo, Philippines. My dad is actually from Louisiana. Um, he met my mom out there, and uh, there is a volcano that had erupted called Mount Pinatuba that uh, engulfed majority of the Philippines. And I had lived there for five years before it did. And what's crazy is being in a military family. I moved to places like Guam, Hawaii, uh, Australia, and English did not come in my vernacular within until I was 10 years old. Oh, really? Yep. And, um, like, what's crazy is the way that I've been able to navigate um, my opinions and how I see the world, even at this age of 30, um, has to it's it's a lot of not knowing or having my parents not actually giving me any sort of information of like who they were 
because uh, my dad was from the South, my mom was from the Philippines. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't even see a career, like, with all me and my younger brothers, like, as chefs. You know, we all went to college and everything, but they didn't, like, see us being like that. It's not that they don't um, respect that we do what we do. Um, it's just, like, our parents never gave us, a, like, any sort of guidance if anything you know what we didn't even know like what I didn't even know what my mom's favorite song was you know growing up and she barely spoke English that's like it's it's yeah it's weird. but she likes Nelly or like lunatics anyhow that's the thing like <laughs> she likes Nelly I know that <laughs> yeah I know that um but like what's crazy like even my dad too uh they never really told us how to uh not even just not they didn't give us any guidance so a lot of the way and the I feel the reason where I'm at right now is solely because I've actually uh taken the time to appreciate where I do come from whether I had to have somebody explain it to me uh I actually do appreciate that I had taken the time to consider those things and I I wouldn't be upset at all with where I'm at right now, honestly. Um, and I can't blame my two parents that were young at the time. One is a third world, you know, uh, my mother from the Philippines and the other one is from Northern Louisiana. Uh, I can't blame them for that, but I can definitely say me taking considerable time to understand, um, where I come from in that aspect has it's it's definitely made me happy to be where I'm at right now. Awesome. Yeah, I w- I would say there's like a lot of influences there. There's a lot of moving, especially like being in a military family. You've lived in a lot of places, so I'm sure that you know you learn from those places and you pick up different things from those places as well. It's uh helped me be a decent person. I'll tell you that. Um, I have had the luxury of being able to um, become, what's the word, like when you basically kind of adapt, you have to adapt. And that has definitely helped me in my uh, focus and transition and really what I want, how I want to live in life. It sucks, you know, to say that, but I, I can be proud about saying that. You know. What do you mean by what? What do you mean when you say it sucks having to say that? Well, like I um, all right, I'll say this: living in New Orleans, uh, everybody knows each. Like you are not of New Orleans if you don't. They don't know what high school you went to. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. people know they've been friends with each other for like ten years or so. Yeah. But I don't. I can't say that. I can't right. say that I know somebody for ten years. I'm actually proud that I can say I'm friends with you after knowing you for like six years. You know what I'm saying? And um, that that's that's good for me. But I know people that have been friends with each other for 15 years, and I I wish I had that. And um, I feel I, you. I grew up having to reassess my life all the time. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. I, I actually, like, can relate to that super hard because I don't have, like, any friends that, like, you and Gentry, like, I've known you and Gentry pretty much the same amount of time and 
like you two are like my longest friends that I've had. Like yeah. I have like, that I talk to on a regular basis. You know what I mean? Like I have like some friend like, you know, cause I've like reinvented myself a bunch. I used to like, I'm a recovering hippie. So like all of those people, like I, like, I, I talk to a couple of them, but like, it's not like I'm trying to like get up and go see them like ASAP. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not to say like, I don't care. Like I, that's not to say that I don't care about our friendship. It's just that like that, you know what I mean? Like I'm not like super close with them. I understand that. And like, that's something that I've had to even tell my partner um, that what, what makes a part, a lot of me, I've learned so much of myself living in New Orleans with like, when it comes even to my own profession and what I even want to do with my life. I've, I've also learned to value uh, the relationships I have with people is because he himself, you know, I, I admire the fact that he's been friends with people for like 15 years and I feel really great that like I can introduce him to friends like you or uh, friends I've worked with here for like six, uh, you know, the six years I've been here. Um, I feel really good about that. And I, I express that even like, you know, in your industry, in our industry, when you pick up and leak, leave one job to another, like those friends are no longer your friends. They're our people's no longer part of your life. I'm so glad you said that because I've been saying this since like COVID started, but I've like had this thought in the back of my head for years. And I feel like people need to understand that not every single one of your coworkers is meant to be your friend. That's right. Like I feel like I feel like especially with the industry, because I mean I I can really only speak on behalf of like the circus industry and the, you know, like bar hospitality industry is that I really feel like people like get a job in like whatever bar or restaurant they're working at and they're like, yeah, friends with everyone. And it's like, no, you don't have to be friends with everyone you work with. That's exhausting. <laughs> Absolutely. And also, I, I, like a lot of people that you work with aren't meant to be your friends. Yeah. Like a lot of people suck. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, and you know what's crazy? If it wasn't for this industry, I would have never, like, I would have never realized any of that. I would have never, like, learned how to make boundaries for myself. Actually, I've learned so much about myself being in this industry. Um, and based off, like, my, you know, upbringing, my background, uh, having so many family members or, like, moving so many different places, I've never been able to, like, really establish um relationships with anybody so like in the service industry it took me a while granted to realize you know not everybody's your friend and you don't have to be their friends but if it wasn't for the service industry I wouldn't um have the relationships that I have currently right you know yeah like all of my best friends currently are from the industry yeah and I'm actually and the ones that I do have like I'm proud to have you know what I mean right. yeah I think not to digress but over the last year like with COVID and everything I've cut a lot of people out of my life that aren't like real friends you know what I mean and the few that I have left that I I speak with on the regular I'm like I'm like I'm really happy that to call these people my friends you know Absolutely. what I mean 
That's why when it comes to talking about Orange, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Do you even have a place being my friend? Because what you are doing is embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I totally agree. And again, like, honestly, and this is something that I I talk to my own. It's a code word for someone that we're speaking about, by the way. Oh, yeah, I I got that. Like I want to do this. Just so the listeners know, the listeners are probably like, "What the fuck, orange? Who the fuck is orange?" Wait, do I have to like? uh, Oh, say we're articulating when you point one your eyes to another person. This is what I'm doing to her right now. Yes, (laughs) I know. For the listeners that can't see this. (laughs) Yes. Um, but the the hospitality industry has helped me a lot with becoming more comfortable with myself and also explaining um with my upbringing again my parents never really thought that all three of their children would be in the hospitality industry right and and like y'all are going to college y'all are getting real jobs be doctors and i'm being filipino they think we're gonna be doctors right you know but we're not (laughs) we're we're far from that (laughs) we're far from doctors but it's like it's been a struggle honestly with um all three of us like to explain to our parents that we actually enjoy what we do like um if anything like I've always said like if I were to have children uh I would want them to be in the hospitality industry just to that they know what the real life it like real world is uh and my parents kind of neglected all of us out of that because we were spoiled we're a military family so um they're not like disappointed in us no but like they're shocked that like we actually like every single one of you are like cooking cooking and like in this industry heavily you know what i'm saying my cousin that yeah out here (laughs) you know uh my cousin i like that yeah my cousin from the philippines is also a chef too like and he barely speaks english you know like it's it's in our blood and that's what that's what keeps me going is I, we all, th- granted, now, our uh, parents don't ask for an explanation for it. They understand that we are very talented. And um, and what's, what's weird, thinking about it, is, like, they've never encouraged us to do it. Like, you know, we, and we all cook all and... fell into it. Yeah, pretty oh, much. Love it. Let's get into the next segment. Yeah. Um, if you were president. So, like, if you had executive orders, what are the first, like, what are, like, the top three executive orders, or five, that you would put into place? I would refine education. Um, I do believe education is a future, and... And I say that, per, like, coming from a personal place, like, if people need to know, if we're a generation, you and I, you and I, but, like, I think education is key, and we need to uh, actually pay attention to that a lot more. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the whole education system is screwed. really messed up right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you speak for American education. I can't speak for anywhere else. <laughs> experience in education anywhere else but I agree with you uh that that's my major thing actually okay what are some other ones do you have like two other ones 
the other ones would be uh, also, um, and it all stems from education, but like uh, refining women's rights and understanding that everyone is a human being. We basically have to like deconstruct the system or what has been systemic, basically. Yeah. And a lot of that, oddly, I'm sorry, comes from education. People are not educated. And I've sadly grown up in the generation, even being a military kid, where the people that win the wars write the books. You know what I'm saying? And so I was also misguided growing up to where a lot of my thought systems about, which I will touch on in the other two things that I have to talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel education is like the base of it all. And, uh, and it's sad how that is not a priority to anyone nowadays, because if it wasn't for that, nobody would actually have an understanding for why they feel the way that they do. Um, Also, uh, third would be uh, mental health practices. I, for like medical services for everybody even in the military being a military kid I didn't also get those like benefits either I had to fight for those as well myself and I hate that like in other countries where even I've dated a guy from Denmark he's like yeah I get paid this and I also get this mental sort like mental health service you know and like like, you don't even get that you know I I I I thrive for that I was talking to my chef. I work in a Spanish restaurant now, which like is really a blessing in disguise because I am going to move to Spain in the next four years. And I was talking to my chef and he was like, he was from Spain. He was born in Spain. He's only lived here for like maybe like 20 some odd years. Um, And he was like, yeah, healthcare is free. You know, if you have a job, you have healthcare. Like if you have a broken hip, you can just go get your hip fixed and it costs nothing. And I'm just like, and meanwhile in America, <laughs> if you have a broken hip, it costs like a hundred thousand dollars. Right. I don't even know, but it's very expensive. I'm assuming. <laughs> it's the reason why I'd gladly go into debt. <laughs> I'm broke my <laughs> it's so messed up. It is messed up. And like, what's crazy. Like I've understood that where I've had many opportunities, you know, uh, being even like just a, a child of a military person, I've had education given to me. I've had medical services given to me, but like, um, again, these things were taught to me. So what I would do is like, it's like, it's a, it's a civil, it's a civil service thing. And, you know, oddly, if I was president, I would just, God, it's more civil things that I would than like, just like for everybody equal, because we're all still fighting for civil rights right now. Right. Yeah. And it's hard. It's it's hard. We're in the system and start over. (laughs) I I like uh, we we can go into it and like I can probably go off topic with it, but honestly, if if I were in a position of power, I would uh, make it so that these civil, just like the most layman things we can take care of you know what I'm saying yeah uh I feel like we're taking care of like things that are like we're like there's an umbrella of the things that we're taking care of but really we we need to be able to uh attack things or tackle things 
in a more intimate kind of situation, you know? And it sucks because there's so many of them, but I would really right. like to start there, honestly. And it's like I would the... want to... Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, it's like all the important things that really should be taken care of, no one cares about. Yeah, because they're, like, they're so trivial to everybody else. And yeah. um, that's what, like, my advocacy, even right now, is, you know, uh, talking about what happens in your own city take consideration for that like it may it is a small thing yeah it is but if anything it affects it, you and everybody around you right then and there so it, it's weird I wouldn't ever want to be president honestly I appreciate your question but I would never <laughs> want to be <laughs> I would never want to be a president that's, um, if, <laughs> That's what my last episode was about, too. Like, she, she was like, well, I would never want that. I was like, yeah, not, I don't think any of us do. Like, that noise. <laughs> that's a whole level of, like, eglomania. Yeah. I don't care, like, what kind of person. You, like, you have to have, like, I mean, AOC is great and I'll love her. Like, love all the other, like, progress, like, younger progressives that are coming up. But, like. When I think of a politician, I just think of an egotistical white man, and that is far from what I want to be a part of. You know yeah, I mean? it's like almost like even if you're, it's like a black man trying to be a cop nowadays. You know, <laughs> are you fighting? Are you yeah. fighting for the greater good? You know what I'm saying? Like you might have, you might hold this position, but like you know solely that you're not really making a difference. I want to be able to, if I were to have a position of power like that definitely wouldn't want to be president <laughs> but I would love to be um, somebody that can advocate and influence people on a minor level um, than presidency because I would know then I have control of how I would like to see things and I think my view of a lot of things is on a level of everybody else right well, majority yeah. at least it's a lot I want to talk about your travels in all the places that you've lived in. Um, I mean, selfishly speaking, traveling is really important to me. I think that everyone should travel as much as you possibly can. And uh, you have your own experience with traveling, but you also, like you've stated previously, are part of a military family. So you have moved around a lot. And I just want to like talk about that. Um, like where are some of the favorite places you've lived and traveled to in whys in the what's and the where's <laughs> <laughs> um well, personally, I am um, like it's, like I mentioned earlier, like being able to be in a military family, I've um accept, accepted the luxury of being able to you know be in um experience certain things that most people don't, and I do believe it's a reason why I am the way I am now currently but I am a total advocate advocate I'm sorry advocate advocate for uh, travel um my favorite place was actually Australia um I taught hey. English in Australia uh before I moved to Chicago before I met you um no idea yeah I taught English in Chicago uh, in, in Australia in Perth uh for a year and a half and it was a lot of the um, people that were coming from the Philippines because there, are, there's a heavy in Filipino influence in Australia on the West Coast, mm. sorry, East Coast, rather. Um, and 
being that Tagalog is my first language, uh, English is my second. And uh, I felt in my travels that was probably the best experience I've had. Like, actually, it was so fulfilling, really. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, it was, don't get me wrong, it was fun. It, it was fun, you know, just being somewhere else, um, especially consciously, but um, knowing that. I was still being able to keep like a uh, do a service to even my own people. If that it sounds weird to say that, but for my own people, yeah, um, it's not weird at all. <clears throat> Those are your people. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly, and yeah. to be honest with you, yeah, that was that was in my travels. Like I've I've moved a lot in my life, but that uh, was is probably the most impactive experience I've had being uh, somewhere else and again allowing me to continuously keep home to who I am culturally you know um, and knowing what I'm doing there's a purpose to it and New Orleans is the second place <laughs> uh, yeah. New, or- yeah, New Orleans is definitely the second place because, like, even uh, it's the longest place I've actually sat my ass down in. Uh, uh, and it, it really is. Um, and I've been able to articulate, like, uh, my culture to other people with food and why I choose to make drinks a certain way and this and this and that. And people actually respect it because it, it it's different. And New Orleans is already a cultural place, but... I feel even that much better being here because I, I can feel comfortable doing that. And that's how I felt also in Australia. I was like, it's my culture and I feel great, you know, doing something. Like I'm doing something with what I know, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, those are, those are definitely the two. If I mean, anything. If anything. Yeah. Um, out of all the places that you've lived in slash traveled to, and if you had to pick like maybe one or two, where, what places have inspired you when it comes to drinks and food the most? Uh, Chicago. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm glad. Um... I know it's it's so like it's it's great to talk about though and like to actually be like say like yeah if it wasn't for Chicago um I wouldn't have had like a backbone or just a little push to like actually you know refine my own self and if right. you like you know it's it, it uh being there taught me a lot and you know it's sadly uh, New Orleans isn't as much, but what with New Orleans, what Chicago did for me in New Orleans, in New Orleans, uh, there's a different uh, cadence, I would say, from Chicagoans to New Orleans people. So when I was passionate about what I was doing coming from Chicago, uh, they embrace embrace it here so much. And that really fueled my passion. I really hope the Chicago industry changes one day, but they're so tight. Like, they, they have something in their ass. Oh, like a, a really tall broomstick. 
a really tall lake. I'm so over <laughs> it. That's why I wasn't ever going to go back because, like, the Chicago industry has traumatized me in so many ways. Well, that's okay. So, yes, it's it was traumatizing. It was. And what's crazy is, like... But there's still learning experiences from it. I'm not going to say, like, it was all 100% bad. Like, I, you know, you and I have both learned a lot, et cetera, et cetera, but... But I will say that, like, I can at least say, like, most people, like, if I didn't work at a person, a a certain place for more than a year, don't bother putting it on your resume type thing. People out here respected that. And, like, it's like a... I don't know. I, I, I gained more respect for myself uh, for what I took seriously with cocktails and food, especially even Chicago was it, honestly. It, it really was, surprisingly so. Uh, but it, it being there helped me a lot in uh, my consideration for the career that we're in. Amazing. Chicago is definitely like a special place when it comes to food, when it comes to drinks, when it comes to just like architecture, Mm -hmm. Um, when it really comes to service, like our service is really great, but I mean, behind closed doors, there's not a lot of great stuff. (laughs) And what's crazy is that the culture is completely different from Chicago to here. And that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's get into the last segment. What's your death meal? So if you knew you were going to croak tomorrow, what would be your last meal be? Mind you, this can be like a multi-course meal. It doesn't have to be like one. Oh, you're asking for prefix meals when you die? I mean, I'm a Taurus and I love food. So All like, right. I'm <laughs> a five-course meal that I won't be able to finish because I am one human being. But uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I am... Um... My death meal, personally, uh, would probably be a whole fish. A whole fish with some rice, a cilantro rice, and a fish sauce on the side. Okay. So, I'd probably do, like, a whole, like, uh, not even a grouper, but uh I'm trying to think of the fish that come back. Benzino? Okay, you know what? No, not even Benzino. I can't think of it right now, but it is... Sadly, compares. I'd have a whole fried tilapia with rice, cilantro rice, and fish sauce, a chili fish sauce. Mm. And I'd eat it with my hands. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dying tomorrow. Let me get in. Don't even, like, don't even come to my. Do you even have a table in jail? Like, don't even come, don't no, debone my stuff for me. I like, I'm, it's not even like. Oh, a, pompano. Like, I'd have a pompano with fish sauce and rice. There you go. It's not even like you're in jail and you're on, like, the death sentence. I'm just saying if you knew oh. you were going to, like, croak tomorrow. Oh, that's what I, I'm sorry, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Maybe I should rephrase the question. Crawfish. Sorry. Crawfish. I mean, I live here in New Orleans. No, seriously, uh, Okay. Fine. That would be that is my death row meal. Pompano okay. rice. Uh, my last Two meal. Things going on. Death row meal, and then you have just another meal. Honestly, really a steak and eggs. Steak and eggs. Sunny side up, over easy, me even. Yeah, or a tomahawk steak. How about that? Tomahawk steak. Two eggs over easy. Hash browns and ketchup. 
and ketchup. For the hash browns. <laughs> Is that weird? No, I'm just thinking in the back of my head about how I was in a barbecue earlier and this guy put ketchup on his hot dog and it really upset me. How does somebody putting ketchup on a hot dog? You well, live in Chicago. Oh, yeah, that's right. Chicago doesn't do it there. Sorry, this is why they I only kicked had out of... They didn't have any mustard in sight. And I was in Chicago. I was in Bridgeport. They didn't have any mustard in sight. It was a sin. And it was... It's Easter today, so they were being very sinful. They're going to go to hell. Oh, people were on this, their shit today, actually, in New Orleans. Pretty nice. I'm sure. I'm sure. What what do you see in your future? What do you got going on? You're shopping right now. What what do you want to be doing in the next couple of years? Um, this this is a really good question because this is something that I get asked a lot. Um, I personally really uh, want to retire. This might be like a fantasy, but retire ish in Key West, cooking for rich people making intimate situations with pairings of cocktails and food this comes with after years of actually doing what I'm doing right now I'm still very young and um, I want I've been working on realizing that I am still very young and I still have many years to go to where you know not that somebody else would consider me uh, credible but like where I really just want to have the capa- comfortable capacity of like being able to provide exactly what I want to do, what I'm doing right now, but in my own terms. So yeah. Key West, like serving food for for the for people that actually have an appreciation for it. And what I do right now, I'm I'm doing what I have to do to survive. But what I am taking from it is learning. So when the time when I do want to make private dinners for people, you know. Um, I know I'll be ready then, but that's what I, that's what I like to do. I would still like to be in the hospitality industry if my boyfriend doesn't get too rich enough, you know, to pay for things. Don't, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I really would like to still continue to cook and uh, make cocktails for people and make experiences for people that they will never be able to understand because they can't do it themselves. That's what I'd like to do. I love that. What change do you wish to see within our industry or your industry? I'm sorry? What change do you wish to see within your industry? Oh, what I wish to see um, would be a more appreciation, not even from, yes, we've been thriving to see a change within like our own employers, which is going, I feel, going to be an ongoing thing what I wish to see is other people on the receiving end actually appreciating what we do for them yes that's what I would really especially now because people don't (laughs) you know I I don't know why I had it in the back of my head that people would after like the first lockdown like once like that got taken away like you can't go out to restaurants I thought people were gonna like appreciate servers and like all all of the shits more but 
the horror stories that I have heard from my friends that went back after the first lockdown was over makes me so sad. Yeah. But it's like you think that, like, after the first lockdown, people will be like, oh, my God, I really actually do appreciate what you're doing. But no, people are still acting horrible, if not even worse. I feel like it's gotten worse, absolutely. And, like, it, it's gotten worse to where, like, we can't even find a way to um, politely articulate not even our frustrations, but just to be, like, you know, just, like, make people aware of the sacrifices that we are making in the hospitality industry. So that's what I would like this. Like, I would like it to be normalized for people on the other side to understand the luxury that they are receiving from people like ourselves. Like we are not just the go get a real job kind of person. You know what I'm saying? Like we are the reason why you don't want to be at home with your upset wife or some something like that like you want to go out and have a good meal and we are the reason why you are doing it you know what I'm saying so I I would like that that's what I'd like to see and you know that is not really directed in the hospitality industry that's just people in general just people yeah (laughs) just people it's like I that's that's wild that's really wild to think about you're like I don't even like all the other shit I've been through with the hospitality industry fine but it's like the uh, people on the other side Yes. I think we're at we're at a we're at a time right now where we all actually have to think about these things that, you know, even on our side would sound trivial back then, but it's just really real. We there's certain feelings that are happening where we can't even be regular people around each other and that's what I would like to see really. Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Um, it's been so great catching up with you and hearing about your experiences. And I'm so glad to call you my friend. I can't wait to see you grow and evolve. I'm so very happy that we were able to actually do this. And yeah. I'm very proud of you and happy for you, too. And well, I'm thanks. very glad that your your platform is an outlet for these things to be discussed, especially when it's a major part of our current situation. So I appreciate that. I'm sure everybody else does too. Yeah. Thanks, Bella.